Hi and welcome to the We Are Zion Sermon Podcast. We are a local church based here in Chennai, India. I'm Christine, your host. We are so glad you are here and our hope is that this will encourage, inspire and instill fresh faith in you. We have special guest Susan Narjala, author and an elder at Ashraya Church, Bangalore, share God's word with us. Good morning, church. Thank you so much for having me over to share with you all today. When Gershom and Christine asked me if I would share at your church today, I immediately answered with a yes, and I must have surprised them with how quickly I responded. There are a couple of reasons for this. One is I'm on WhatsApp way more often than I'd like to be, and I saw their message as soon as they sent it. But more importantly, I've seen how this couple invests in the kingdom of God. And I thought to myself, I want to be part of that. So thank you so much again. Also, this happens to be home turf for me. I'm a Chennai girl. I grew up in Madras before it was Chennai. And I'm sure there are some WCC ladies in the house. So shout out to my old college. Today's passage is a very familiar one. It's the parable of the talents or the parable of the loaned money. And this is a very familiar passage to many of us. But the cool thing about God's word is that he continues to speak to us through his word. He doesn't tire of speaking to his children. So today, let's prepare our hearts through prayer before we start. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is, Lord, to hear your voice through your word. Father, would you speak to us, Father, today? Would you change our hearts, Father? Would you make us more like your son? Lord, prepare our hearts to receive your word and to do what it says. Thank you, Lord, for your spirit who who changes our lives. In Jesus' most beautiful name we pray. Amen. So today we're going to be unpacking Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 to 30. And you can follow along in your Bibles if you'd like. So just for some context, we'll uh, zoom out a little bit and see where this is happening. So Jesus is telling the story to his disciples and they are at the Mount of Olives. And the disciples have a lot of questions for Jesus. They ask him about the last days, about his second coming. And Jesus in turn shares parables with them. And one of them is today's parable, the parable of the talents. Um, So this parable is about the master of a house who is going away on a long trip. And before he goes, he calls his servants together, three of his servants together. And the text says that he entrusted his property to them. Essentially, these three servants become like wealth managers for the rich master. To servant one, the master gives five talents of money. To servant two, he gives two talents of money. And to servant one, he gives one talent of money. Now, a talent of money is a weight or a measure of money. And in some translations, this is called bags of money. Now, while I was doing some research on this parable, I came across some interesting facts. Interesting fact number one, if you, like me, enjoy knowing the etymology of words, the word talent 
in the English language actually comes from this parable. I thought that was pretty cool. And here is cool fact number two. So each talent in the story was actually worth a crazy amount of money. Like you could actually invest in a couple of villas in Hollywood town or Swiss town with that kind of money. While biblical scholars say it's kind of hard to estimate exactly how much each talent was worth in today's money, they put down each talent at about $600,000. Mind blown, right? So the master is really trusting these guys, all three of them with substantial investment. And here's the first point that I'd like us to note. The master gives the servants the money. They don't earn it. They don't manufacture it. It wasn't their idea. It wasn't their, their ingenuity that got them the money. The master is entrusting his property to them so they could in turn steward or manage that money as trustees. And that really is something that I'd like us to note in our own lives. If God gives you and me some talent, some resource, guess what? God gives you and me that talent and resource. And sometimes I think we tend to forget that. I think we tend to either go into one camp or the other, the camp that, wow, look at me. I've got this amazing talent and I want the world to know about it on Instagram. Or we swing the other way and think, look at everybody else. They have so much talent. They have so many resources. I have nothing. And in either scenario, we forget to acknowledge the giver of good gifts in our lives. But James 1 says that every good gift in our life comes from the Heavenly Father. So that brings us to the first point of today, which is the first E of today's message, which is God entrusts us with time, talents, and treasures. The parable goes on to say that the master gives the servants each according to his ability. Now that phrase, each according to his ability, may tend to confuse us a little bit. But what it really means is that the master knew each servant and the master knew what each servant was capable of doing and doing well. So he gave each servant what he knew they could handle at that point in time. When God calls you and me to a particular task, he not only entrusts us with resources for that task, he also equips us with the ability to do that task. And that really brings me to the second E of today's message, which is God empowers us to use the time, talents, and treasures that he has entrusted to us. God empowers us. He emboldens us. He equips us to use those time, talents, and treasures. He doesn't force us to use those gifts. He doesn't arm twist us, but he does invite us to use them. And he equips us to use them for his glory. His word says that he has given us everything we need for life and godliness. His word reminds us that those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. 
His resurrection power is at work within each believer and he empowers us to live out our calling. So let's see what happens next in this parable. The master goes away and servant one, the guy who was given five talents, goes immediately, puts his money to work and doubles his talents. Now, I'd like to take the liberty of giving servant one a fancy name like maybe Alfred or Carson because he just seems like the head butler in um, in an English manner like Downton Abbey. Here's Alfred who has five talents, but he doesn't think to himself, man, I've got it made. He doesn't think to himself, the other servants are not going to earn as much as I already have. He's not boastful. He's not entitled. Alfred simply understands his commission as a trustee of the money that his master has given him. He works for his master, keeping in mind his master's return. Alfred simply lives out his calling. Now let's talk about servant two. The guy who had two talents. I don't know about you, but I've often just glossed over servant two. He seems to me like the quintessential middle guy, the guy that no one really pays much attention to, right? His story is a boring repeat of servant one's story, except the stakes involved are even less because the money involved is less. He is your average joke. Now, average Joe could have thought, you know, I've got less than half of what Alfred has. My life is so average. My talents are so average. He could have moped. He could have fallen into the comparison trap. He could have thought to himself, this is kind of a raw deal. And I think some of us fall into that kind of thinking. I know that I can think that way sometimes. But the truth is, most of us feel average or ordinary. We perhaps look at other people's lives and we think the grass is greener on the other side of the fence. But let's see what Joe did with his two talents. Joe did exactly what the five talent Alfred did. He put his money to work. He doubled it. Servant 2 shows us that the grass is greener where it's watered the most. It shows us that we are called to run the race marked out for us. Not the race that someone else is running. Not the race that people tell us we're supposed to run. Definitely not the rat race. But the race that God has marked out for us with our eyes fixed on Jesus, with the resources that God has already given us. Colossians 3.23 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. Whatever you do, no matter how insignificant the world may tell us it is. Friends, here is a freeing idea to some of us. Not all of us are called to live life large. Not all of us are called to live life king size. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 says, Aspire to live quietly and mind your own affairs and to work with your hands. 
the quiet yet purposeful life described here is within our reach we are called to do the best with what we have in this moment right now where we are placed for the glory of god i love this mother teresa quote which says i am not called to be successful but to be faithful i'm not called to be successful but to be faithful let's move on now to servant 3 he kind of reminds me of this character that i used to read about in the tinkle comics as a child i don't know about you but uh, i was one of those who was not really into the more intellectual tintin comics i was quite content with tinkle and i like that character supandi I don't know if you're familiar with who Supandi is so let me just tell you quickly he's portrayed as a kind of a dimwit servant who comes from the village and he's constantly goofing up in his various houses where he works and somehow he turns things around in the end in our parable servant 3 is pulling a supandi he decides to take his one talent and to bury it in the ground what do you and i do with the talents that we've been given do we find a dark hole of insecurity of of fear or anxiety and de- decide to bury our talent in that hole do we think to ourselves maybe one day or when the time is right or when there's a vaccine out there then i'll put my time of my treasures to work I know I've done this um I decided to write a book by the time I was 40 and you know what that deadline came and that deadline went and you won't believe how many times I added pointless procrastinating punctuation marks to chapter 1 of this supposed book I was writing I was reading about the Israelites in the book of Joshua and this is after their 40 year wandering in the desert and they they've come to the Jordan they've crossed it they've come to Jericho the walls have fallen and God is doing all these amazing miracles for them and you think finally they've taken possession of the promised land it's done and dusted it's in the bag but not quite In Joshua 17, long after the miracles of Jordan and Jericho, we read that seven tribes of Israel were still sitting around and they hadn't taken possession of the promised land. They were your classic procrastinators. Maybe they didn't want to take responsibility for the work that lay ahead. Maybe they enjoyed living off the Canaanites. but in Joshua chapter 17:3 Joshua says to these seven tribes how long will you wait before you take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you how long will you wait before you take possession of the land today is God asking you and me that same question and that brings me to the third e of today's message God expects us to put our time, our talents and our treasures to work for his glory. No, he doesn't need us to do anything for him. He is the 
all powerful self sustaining all sufficient god he doesn't need us to do anything for him but he expects us to put our time and tra- talents and treasures to work he expects us to fulfill the good works that he has already prepared for us to do scripture says that his eyes range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him today as his eyes sweep over our city will you will he find that your your heart and mine are fully committed to him we pick up our story again when the master returns from his trip and he calls his servants together to give an account servant 1 our very own alfred goes to the master and says see master you gave me 5 talents and here are 5 more and the master responds with these well known and these beautiful words he says well done well done good and faithful servant i put you in charge of a few things you've been faithful with those i will now put you in charge of many things and then he says these words come come and share in your master's happiness servant to average joe then goes to his master and he presents his report to the master he has doubled his talents and has earned two more and do you know what the master says to servant to this was really the clincher for me as i was studying this passage the master says the exact same words to servant 2 as he does to servant 1 the master was not concerned with the roi that it was only two talents as opposed to servant servant 1's extra five talents the master was just overjoyed that servant 2 was working to please him all this time servant 1 and servant 2 came to the master with these words they say master you have entrusted me and then they say see they present their results their reports to the master they both acknowledge that the master entrusted them with the resources and they both want the master alone to see the results they were working with a single minded purpose of bringing ma- the master joy what are you and i working for today do we employ the resources we have to fulfill our own agendas or is it about the glory of god i know i've jokingly given the servants in this parable some names but in this parable they remain unnamed they were simply working for the glory of their master they were simply working for an audience of one these days we hear a lot of encouraging statements um perhaps in the media or at work statements like bloom where you're planted or believe in yourself or be the best version of yourself and i do like those statements and i buy journals with inscriptions of them but as believers we need to ask ourselves bloom where you're planted and then what bloom for whom 
And if the answer is for ourselves, if the answer is for the here and the now, then we need to perhaps consider the words of Psalm 103, which says that we are all like grass or fields, flowers of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone and its place remembers it no more. But then it goes on to say, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Do we have that kind of awesome fear and reverence for the Lord that all we do is for his glory? Whatever we do, we work for the glory of God. And that brings me to the fourth E of today's message, which is God evaluates how we use our time, talents, and treasures. The master calls his servants to give an account. And this may seem kind of unpopular to hear in today's day and age, but God is going to call us to give an account of how we've used what he entrusted to us. We can't stop our story without seeing how what happened with servant three. He goes to the master and he presents his report. He says, Master, I knew you were a hard man. So I went out and I dug a hole and I buried my money. And servant three is punished. Servant three is punished because he was selfish in his ambitions. He was punished because he didn't care about his master's return. Servant three has this convoluted, twisted image of who the master is. He thinks of him as a hard taskmaster who only cares about the results. Friends, our view of God will determine the choices that we make. If we see Jesus as some kind of hard taskmaster who only cares about the results of our work, who only cares about our performance, then that will fill us with a self-preserving kind of fear. Friends, yes, we've been given talents by God, but this is not some America's Got Talent show and God is not some cosmic Simon Cowell looking to see if we'll fail our commission and our calling. This is not about proving ourselves or proving our worth. It's not a performance. This is about God yearning for a deeper relationship with us. He's not a God who's interested in the results or the ROI. He yearns for a living relationship with us where we abide in him, where all that we do is shaped by the gospel, where we live in the light of eternity, where we live in the light of his coming again. He is a God who came to be the servant king. A God who didn't come to be served, but to serve. A God who took a towel and washed the dirty feet of his disciples. A God who poured out his life even unto death. In the light of his beautiful servanthood, of that sacrificial love, how do we respond? Do we respond in a way where we say, here is my life, Lord. It is a sacrifice for you. It is a sacrifice for your kingdom. Here are my time, my talents, and my treasures. Use it for your glory. Let's zoom out again from this parable itself 
and see the context in which it was happening. Jesus was talking to his disciples when they asked him about his second coming. Today, because of the pandemic, there's a lot of talk about whether these are the last days or not. The other day, a friend texted me and she's like, Susie, do you think these are the end times? And I'll tell you what I told her. I don't know. I don't know because Jesus says that he will come when we least expect it. But he does tell us to be ready, to be prepared, to be expectant. During this trying season, are we still engrossed in just the good things of life? Or are we focused on the things that have eternal value? God entrusts us with gifts. God equips and empowers us to use those gifts. He expects us to use those gifts for his glory. And he will evaluate whether we've used those gifts. When Jesus comes back, let's ask ourselves, will I be found a faithful servant or a fear-filled one? When Jesus comes back, he will look for those to whom he can say these words. Come, share in your master's happiness. God bless you all. Thanks for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed. To hear more messages like this, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you like what you are hearing, consider rating us, subscribing, and even sharing it with friends. That would really help us. For more content from We Are Zion and to connect with us, go to wearezion.in. Remember, whoever finds Jesus finds life.